0: Dustin Geverlo, North Dakota Watchdog Network.
1: All right, we're going to do a little watchdog time. I absolutely love what you do there at the Watchdog Network. You keep an eye on some of the micro bills, some of the macro bills at a state level. You're kind of that top-to-bottom and bottom-to-top watchdog out there, and which is good because then I don't have to. You know, you can kind of keep me informed, and last time we spoke, you, were, uh, you cited uh, several bills that had to do with the oil and gas industry, the coal industry. I, I even heard the ESG industry in there as well. So, of course, that's all energy related. So, Dustin Goverlow, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's been a well, busy session so far. Well, let's done.
1: yeah. Let's get an update if you would not mind on a few of those energy bills I just named. I don't know if some of them got got deuced or some of them got passed or if they got rewrote in the Ways and Means committees or what. But uh, let's just kind of do a little round the horn and we'll kind of go from there.
0: Sure, uh, House Bill fourteen fifty two was given a due pass. I believe six to one or seven zero. Uh, in uh, in committee this week and, and will be on the floor of the Senate uh, either t- today, tomorrow, or early next week. Uh, that is the bill that sets up the uh, Clean Sustainable Energy Fund and the governing body for that.
1: Hey, just uh, time out real and- quick. Just time out real quick. Yeah. Because what you just did there is... is is worthy of a timeout, which is one of the reasons why things become problematic and they pass and they, the whole timing of things can be political is you don't know if the thing's going to be today or Monday or Tuesday or when it is. How much notice does somebody get before you know it's, they, 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 they're going to vote on it? Because I understand sometimes people get to speak before committees and that sort of thing. Did you got a quick second just to give us an overview on that timing and how the public can speak and that sort of thing?
0: Sure. The, the, the public was given uh, uh, a public comment hearing uh, earlier uh, in the last two weeks, uh, last week in fact actually, on, on most of these. Um, and uh, that's the first step when it crossed over from, from the House. The House passed it. Uh, after doing the, the committee work and, and amendment process, and uh, once once the committee has heard from the public, then it, they take a few days to work on the amendments. They ship those out to the full chamber. That, in this case, the Senate. The Senate will approve those amendments, and typically, uh, immediately after approving the amendments, votes on the full bill as amended. Uh, it gets put on the calendar, so we can, we can kind of guess when it's going to be, but it can be held over one, two, three days, uh, depending on uh, whether uh, the the party leadership wants to whip more votes, if it, if it might be a close vote, uh, and things like that. So we
1: okay. We so let's say let's know- just for argument say March first. Okay, just for just for basic exercise of. Uh, uh, government 101 here, so the public gets to comment on March 1st, okay, and then after mm-hmm. that they they do not correct.
0: Correct. Okay, so so, okay. so then it goes comment to via email directly to the legislators. But, so but so then it goes to the house. The
1: then it goes to the house, right? Yep. After the public comments, okay, how how many days go by in the house? Is it one? Is it four? Is it? Do we know?
0: Uh, I would say typically it's about seven days. Okay, so a week, uh, we'll say a
1: week. You no, make, just just again, yeah. basic exercise here, folks. This is not a science; this is an exercise. So, okay, so we're at March eighth. We're at March eighth now. So now um, it then goes to the Senate, right? If it passes, so now mm-hmm. th- there's no public there's no public uh, uh, speak at this time still, right? We're still behind the closed doors of the Senate and the and the House.
0: No, then, then once it goes to the Senate, the Senate committee uh, will have their hearing, and that will typically happen about 7 to 10 days after it is crossed over from the House.
1: And can the public speak I, at that time? Yes, they can. Okay, so yeah, now you, now let's say we're at March 15th, okay? We've had two instances where the public can have their voice in a controlled venue, right? Yeah, But over the course of two weeks, you mentioned that you can still email your legislator or your senator or your congressman, if you will. Your What do they call their house representative? Um, or you can take them to dinner, right? So if, if, if you're a lobbyist or you've got a good relationship with one of these guys, can you go one-on-one access time or does it have to be by email or by letter? Does it have to be a traceable communication during that period or... After the you know, can they just go and do the dog and pony show and already have their minds made up and work out the fine details with the lobbyists at night, can that happen?
0: Sure, Sure. okay. And that's how it's traditionally okay. happened. The only thing right now that that uh, has reduced that is uh, the, the fear of uh, ending up uh, as a ethics commission complaint.
1: Well, there's no ethics commission in North Dakota, is there?
0: Ah, uh, there is, yeah.
1: Oh well, That's okay. I, I, thought over, vote, last, I, I thought there was three, a vote. I thought there was a vote a few years ago to do something with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. They created it in 2018.
1: Okay. Oh, so that passed.
0: Yeah, and then and then in 2019, the uh, the legislators set up the the rules under the statute that the ethics commission would operate.
1: Wait a minute. Are uh, you are you telling me that the people who are going to be investigated set up the rules on how to be investigated?
0: shocker isn't it
1: oh you gotta be kidding me are you serious
0: that's how it works (laughs) because and that's because the people that created the ethics commission put it in the constitution and did not itemize the rules themselves and did not give the ethics commission the power to itemize the rules themselves now the legislature gave them some rulemaking power uh it's all very convoluted. It oh my really God! No, yet. just
1: forget it, man. It you you've said enough. We got the idea. We know what's going on. Okay, so let's get back to. I just wanted to find out if you know who was kind of really running the show here. If because I listen, the last ten years, I have heard of so many people complain about what a waste of time it is to go to these public venues in front of these state. And, and house people, okay, the, the state house and senate, because it's like they say, it's a waste of time, it's a dog and pony show, all the real decisions are made after hours, and you can't have access to those people and etc. So I just wanted to find out just the bare sterile without getting any editorializing in or what the timelines were and what the rules were. And what you're talking about is just a breeding ground of the of the anecdotal evidence I've heard the last ten years, so I mean, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to get into that, but I think everybody knows how that works. So uh, let's get back to the energy bills for a second because that's what we're really doing here. We, you and I, stir the pot enough on our own. We don't need to combine and do it <laughs> together. So let's um, let's get back to this HB House Bill fourteen fifty two. Okay, so you mentioned. That got a due pass 6 to 1 or, or 7 to 0. And what was that one again?
0: That creates the Clean Energy Sustainability Fund and and gives it $40 million out of the general fund. Uh, and it sounds great. You know, I found, like, who who could oppose clean and sustainable energy? It's like opposing children, right? Uh, but ultimately, this money will will, at the end, be used to uh, prop up the coal industry and coal power by subsidizing the research for uh, carbon sequestration and then ultimately beyond that, possibly the um, uh, enhanced oil recovery of, of using CO2 to refract wells, essentially. And, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the goal is to make coal power cleaner and. They hope that if they do that by sequestering and reusing the CO2 that somehow Minnesota is going to change their mind about coal power and want to buy our power again. And and right now we're on this track in the next 10 years for a lot of that demand for coal power to to, uh, diminish and and whittle away because Minnesota has these, uh, these laws about how much of their power can come from coal, and how much has to come from green energy, and and those—it's a sliding scale for the next ten years, fifteen years, and uh,
1: and this is not absolutely. anecdotal. This is actually in their uh, quarterly report or their annual report, isn't it? This is where your information is coming from. As far as we're talking about specifically, like XL Energy, who basically yeah. has got a major monopoly. In the state of Minnesota and all the way through Colorado and a lot of areas too. So they've they've got a big footprint, XL Energy does. But from my understanding, from what I They go all the way to Texas, actually. Okay, they go down there too. So that that's yeah, they're they're very relevant with this program. But what Dustin's talking about is we put this out in the crude life about a month ago or a month and a half ago. It was a, a just a paragraph or two in their annual report or their quarterly report. It was some report. And basically said they're going to phase out North Dakota energy in the next five to ten years because it's based on coal, is how I read it. So that's what we're talking about, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and in fact, uh, just just yesterday, uh, uh, it was put out by uh, Rob Port on his blog that Excel is sending around emails bragging that they're going to ship down North Dakota coal even sooner than they planned on.
1: Oh, good like, for Good for Rob. Good for them. Port. Good for him.
0: You know, and, and, and this is all, of course, government-induced problems, right? Governments both in the in Minnesota and government at the federal level has created these mandates and, and distortions in the free market. So we've got to react to them. Now, what's interesting and, and what I've been saying is we're finding out that being a net exporter of energy is not that much better than being a net importer. Because if you're a net exporter, that means you are dependent and reliant upon your consumer market wanting your product. And if, you're, if the government in your consumer market doesn't want your product, you don't have a market. And, and so we, we are getting stuck in the middle you know, of this issue. And, and our legislators, at, at the behest of, of the coal industry and of the energy industry in general, uh, Ron Ness has been pushing these things as well. Uh,
1: I've actually seen more uh, more out of Ron Ness with coal lobbying than I have with oil and gas lobbying the last year, and, I, and I'm being totally serious about that. And I'm going by headlines that I've seen in the paper.
0: You, you're not wrong. There, there is a dynamic going on. Uh, I, I I have some speculative the- some speculative theories about that, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that on the side for now. But um, the,
1: well that sounds juicy the,
0: <laughs> well I think that ultimately
1: no no don't get into it don't get into it
0: anyway uh, getting back to the the issue you've got industry begging the state of North Dakota to subsidize and bail them out because they they don't want to spend their own private company money to do the research they want the taxpayers through the general fund the first two years and then ongoing in in House bill 1380 they want a permanent $40 million every two years stream out of legacy fund earnings to subsidize and prop up uh, their, their uh, carbon sequestration research and, and ultimately building a uh, pipeline of CO2 from the coal fired plants out to the oil fields, which will cost hundreds of millions of dollars, by the way.
1: Interesting. So that one is now going to the Senate? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, it it, is headed to the Senate floor, and it will probably be acted on sometime in the next
1: week. Okay. Sure. HB 1452. So if you've got anything you want to two cents, folks, make sure you email or contact or take out to dinner your Senate, North Dakota State Senator, to get your voice heard on that. And uh, what else we got in the world of – Legislative bills that we should keep an eye on from the energy industry.
0: Uh, well, then, then we've got House Bill uh, fourteen twelve, which it looks on the surface to be a tax cut, but it's actually not. Uh, it it looks like a tax cut because it reduces the coal generation and conversion tax by sixty percent.
1: Is this more coal?
0: New tax. Yeah.
1: More yeah, coal more legislation. Coal. Okay. All right.
0: Yeah, and, and it, 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 so it cuts the, 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 the cold generation tax by 60% and then creates the Lignite Research Fund tax, which is a way to funnel more money into the Lignite Research Fund, which is yet another avenue for subsidizing the industry. So they are they, they're basically uh, cutting their own taxes and, and kicking themselves back more money for their own research uh, instead of it actually going into the general fund, so this is a this is another way to get money. Uh, why they don't just do a just do the tax cut straight up? I don't know, but you know they they, they do these things in in such a way that it makes people feel good, and um, that's what all this is about is feel good legislation.
1: It also creates another quasi unaccountable government organization where. They're not quite the government, but they're, comp- you know, they're funded by the government, but they're appointed, so they're not accountable, and you got different layers uh-huh. involved, and yeah, it's, I, I, I see it, too. I see it, yep. So, okay, what's... Yeah, so, so... Go ahead.
0: ...together, it, it, it really, it, it's one big agenda, um, and despite the fact that some legislators don't like that being pointed out, uh, the, uh, th- there is an agenda here that... These, these three bills combined...
1: Which three now? Uh, okay. eight, I only heard uh, two. House Bill 1452, Yep. 1380,
0: oh. and
1: 1412. What was 1380?
0: That's the Legacy Streams Bill that creates the long-term $40 million every two years uh, subsidy for the, the, the entity created in 1452. They separated it out so that people wouldn't know that it's a permanent... Uh, spending program.
1: What are these things like Autobots where they construct a con together and make a Voltron deal or what? I mean, what's I going know. on here? I mean, these <laughs> things are working together. I mean, what the heck?
0: Well, well the, the $14.52 on its own is only a one-time spending in this biennium from the general fund. Thirteen eighty 80 puts that $40 million every two years starting next biennium. In. So they're able to pass 1452 as if it is a one-time program with no reoccurring expenditures. Then in 1380, that's where the reoccurring expenditures come in as a way of, of making the fiscal note look better. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they threw enough legacy fund money at other things so that they can get that voted on. Uh, this is all just, you know, how, how legislative sausage gets made. Uh, and but they don't they don't like it when people point this out because you know they don't like transparency on this issue because they want to uh, push this. Uh, th- those three bills combined total the fiscal note is basically seventy five million dollars every two years going forward. The entire to put that in perspective, the, the entire corporate income tax last biennium only brought in one hundred and ninety million dollars. So instead of doing what they want to do and bail out one industry uh, with that money, we could actually cut the corporate income tax almost in half and benefit all industry in North Dakota. Uh, You know, ultimately there are many of us who want to see the income tax both on corporate and personal income abolished in North Dakota. And uh, you know, we should be doing that instead of of just bailing out one industry because we, we we need the the entire economy to flourish not just one entity because it's 40 million now but down the road when they get more it get deeper and deeper into their program uh, they're going to need more money because every government needs more, every government program needs more money they don't they never go down and, and spend it.
1: How about that ESG bill what was that one do you remember the ESG um North Dakota wasn't gonna do any business with ESG or something like that?
0: Yeah, that was Senate Bill 2291, which was in the Senate converted into a study rather than actually implementing policy. It got shipped over to the House, and I believe the House passed it as a as a study, and that was the problem with it in general is that if you uh, if you preclude the, yeah, it was signed by the governor yesterday. Uh, if you preclude the state from investing in ESG-based uh, funds or companies, the state will no longer be able to invest in anything but federal bonds. Uh, even Exxon uh, is is chasing that ESG goalpost. Uh, Apple is is one of the main. ESG companies, as far as uh, high on the roster.
1: Just got an email uh, from Conoco uh, this morning, bragging about their new ESG certification. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so they're all doing it. So, so the state. Yeah, we, hey, a, hey, hey Dustin, Dustin. Yeah.
1: Th- this is yeah. exactly what we brought up a month or two ago when it got brought up initially. How you and I, you and, mm-hmm. you, and you and I, you and I, a couple casuals pointed out that is like the biggest problem they have. It's kind of like if you have a car with no engine and a bunch of people are saying, let's go on a road trip, and you got two guys saying, guys, it's not going to work because there's no engine. Well, everyone else is calling those guys nuts and crazy, this and that. Well, at the end of the day, all the people that were calling the couple guys nuts and crazy are now trying to educate those people on why the car doesn't move because there's no engine. That's what's going on here is that, A lot of these uh, legislators are trying to react to things and spending big money and time and resources off of an emotion and a reaction only to find out now they got to go spend a shit ton of money in order to figure out a way to educate all those people that were trying to, say, slow down. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. And if the state was to implement this whole strategy fully and divest of everything related to ESG, uh, our pension funds would collapse almost immediately because there wouldn't be enough uh, dividend and interest revenue to, to sustain those programs.
1: When, when, when I saw it that bill introduced, I knew immediately that um, this session was in trouble because there was th- there, there's a lot of uh, emotional legislation going on right now that does not have a lot of thought put into it. And and now they're making amendments and this and that and trying to cover their tracks. I suppose at the end of the day, the usual suspects will get the money for this ESG report, huh? Have they have they already sure. have they already determined it, or is it gonna or is that gonna have to go to a federal lawsuit like the logo nickname or whatever, whatever the heck's? <laughs> well, right, isn't that the good old boy network was so bad it had to go to a lawsuit because of the logos?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. My guess is that. If, if the interim committee does outsource it, that there's going to be a process for that. And I believe that it's a legislative study, so it, it won't be in the hands of the governor. But um, the, the the overall issue that we have is, like you said, they are making laws based on emotion. They're making laws that are growing government. And if Democrats were doing these things, we'd call it socialism. But it, because it's Republicans, apparently now Republican socialism is good and democratic socialism is bad. That's where we are in the state of North Dakota right now.
1: I agree with you, by the way. And I've said this for a while that, you know, North Dakota Republicans are a little bit different because when you go down to Texas or Oklahoma, those are, those are self-made men. Okay. Those, those people have true skin in the games. Okay. And, and women, by the way, in North Dakota, a lot of the wealth came from the government off of subsidies. A lot of farmers, are, are rich because of subsidies. And a lot of North Dakota, I mean, for what was it? Every dollar we send into the government, we get two bucks back. So there's a lot of wealth that the government, even take like um, uh, you know some of the bigger companies. They, they come from ag, and that was completely subsidized from the beginning. Now, there was a system, and they had to know what they were doing, and these were intelligent men. But if you've got a guaranteed check coming every year and you've got insurance and you've got three or four safety nets, and then even if you do fail out at the end of the day, you get bailed out, well, yeah, you can do a lot of things versus somebody who's, if, if they don't strike it on this wildcat, well, they're done and their whole family's done. So it's, it's a little bit different. I, so I think it's interesting you bring up the you know, Republican socialism and the, you know, Democrat socialism, because I get a, a text every day saying, got my Biden bucks. You know, they call it Biden bucks. But what, what did they call it when Trump did it? Trump tokens? I didn't know. I, I guess I didn't pay attention. I, I but, call them Trump bucks. Yeah, Trump bucks. So either way, it, it's just it, it's like you said, it's, it's a horse of peace on a lot of it. But I don't know. My understanding is that uh, the, the government has grown significantly in North Dakota in the last 20 years. And it's been run by... Republicans.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Republicans that ran it, you know, from 2003 to 2013. Uh, the the size of the, the amount of spending at the general fund level went from 1.7 billion every two years to 6.3 billion every two in ten years. It almost tripled. I uh,
1: I always heard, by it, the it, way. It, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: It, it came down in in 2015 and 17 because oil crashed but now it's it's back on an upward trajectory and and we you, you mentioned that ratio of, of how much we send to the feds versus get back that has shifted a little bit but our a lot of our spending growth is because we bought into these these matching fund programs where the, the feds would match state spending and then the federal money disappears and the state still has to continue the program and so we get stuck and there's so much spending that we legally cannot uh, cannot stop because we took on the program in the first place, chasing that matching fund, free money from the federal government.
1: During that pandemic, I heard that, you know, there was federal minimums. So like North Dakota, the COVID money was the same as like Los, or uh, Nevada and Arkansas. And so like, you know, a little old population of North Dakota, that's why they were trying to get rid of so much money. And of course, all the usual suspects, they got their millions out of the gate before anybody else had a chance, it seemed like. And, um, and then, you know, everybody else gets the scraps, but they had a ton of uh, extra money there. So I mean, I would, is, has that been discussed by anybody at all? The The federal minimums or anything like that? Does that get played into the legislative sessions? Or? You know, because I would it, imagine it that, that, that would be somewhat substantial if people are getting money for a year and they're not going to get it after that.
0: Yeah, and North Dakota has done fairly well on a per capita basis on, on pandemic relief. Uh, it, and they they are finagling how to use that. Now, as made headlines on the last package, some of that money is precluded from being used if if we as a state cut taxes for the next four years. Uh I mean, that, to me, that's the reason to not take the money. But uh, you know, th- th- there's always this this greed. You know, they see the the dollars they're laying on the table, and they don't want to give it up.
1: Yeah, I was asked this, by the way, and I don't I don't know if this even exists. But when I was down in the Permian, some people are asking me about up in the Bakken and all these different things. And, and somebody just flat out asked, you know, is because of the uh, the amount of state money that has gone into the industry in the last year, whether it be, you know, ca- uh, plugging wells or, you know, stimulus or keeping them float or whatever it is, is there a list of, of the uh, energy companies that are getting money and, and how much it is and that sort of thing? Because a lot of business development, people were wondering for sales purposes, like for leads. You know how on, on Saturday in the newspaper, you used to get the public permits, who's filing for permits? And then that would start a whole ecosystem of salespeople. Um, is that, do you know, is that information even available? Can, can somebody go you know, to Lynn Helms or, or somebody like that and get a list of you know, which oil companies have gotten which dollar amounts and et cetera?
0: There is a list of grant money on the state industrial commission site for different projects um, for, for specific purposes, and you know some of it goes right back to to uh, to the oil companies. Um,
1: well, I would I, w- I would think so if the money was thing. directed to plug wells, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that money should be disclosed. I don't know where, but it should be out there somewhere. Yeah, I would think so too. I looked, I couldn't
1: find request. it. I I couldn't find it, so I was just wondering.
0: It might take an, a special open records request to get it.
1: I don't want to do that. They might charge me. They um, always
0: want to charge you because that's how they keep you from from
1: asking for it. Well, I know, because as, as little guys that are trying to get that information, they got you know they got a nickel and dime us to death, so whatever. But no, I was just somebody asked me, I, I, and I, I thought that's a really good question because. Like I said, every Saturday, oh man, there was tons of people waiting for that, uh, bu- business permit and building permit codes and that sort of thing. Because, you know, if you sold decks for a living or if you sold nails or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a, it's a leads list to get going, you know? And, um, anyway, it made sense to me, made sense. So that's all. I just thought I'd ask you cause you're, it's, you, it's you know, it's good so. to
0: know who's getting the free money and and go after them, uh,
1: well my understanding is the free money is supposed to be the trickle down beginning that the people that get the free money are supposed to use it to do the trickle down economy. And if that's changed then then I'd like to know because that's my understanding of how this whole system has worked. So if we've gotten into where just a certain group of people are going to keep the money, well then the game's changed and I think the you know Hoven and Kramer need to have a press conference immediately and tell us that we're no longer in capitalism. That's all.
0: Well, the, the, uh, the type of of socialism that, that Republicans promote is the kind where the government offsets private costs. It does not, uh, reap a return directly. Uh, if there was, if we were putting more strings on these programs, then we might be able to do that. In the old days, there was, you know, like Pace Loans, there there was a requirement of you hiring so many people and providing so many jobs at such a, uh, a dollar per hour rate. But a lot of this, they've gotten away from that because, you know, it's just too much work. It's too much to ask companies to actually provide jobs for the money that the government's giving them.
1: Well, they might need a new yacht too. Well, right. it's true. Well, hey, man, keeping up with the Joneses is so relevant throughout the human mm-hmm. genome, is that religions actually have it as one of their laws: "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or possessions." I mean, I'm telling you, man, right. it, it's keeping up with the Joneses is is as as normal as keeping up with the Kardashians. And so, if you know, if if we're supposed to believe that the trickle down system. Is supposed to work, but yet somebody wants to do a stopgap by buying a yacht because some prince in Saudi Arabia has a yacht, and we're now in a global economy. Well, that's what I mean. The games change then, and this private-public partnership, or soft fascism, or silent socialism—I've heard all kinds of different names for it. I don't care either way. I just want to know what we're living in. That's all. <laughs> I'll adjust my life accordingly. But I need to, you know, I need to have a have a level playing field of just some straight up knowledge here. And so it's a little bit different when you feel like you're living in two different or three different worlds these days, especially with COVID and accessibility and now the pandemic excuse and all kinds of different things. So are people able to, by the way, people able to show up or is it by Zoom or do they have to do it by phone or how does that work with the COVID laws?
0: Uh, the legislature has been taking in-person testimony as oh. well as, uh, as zoom uh, which has made it nice to, when when I've got three uh, bills to speak on in the one hour period it's a lot easier to, to hop between zoom calls than than uh, shuttle between rooms at opposite ends of the Capitol.
1: hey speaking of which I did did the, did the uh, bill? that was gonna put a tax on wind energy in order to give a stimulus to coal. Did that pass?
0: Good question. I believe that was
1: that, that 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 was the bill, right? Was 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 the gist of it was yeah to put a tax on wind energy in order to basically through some programs give it to the coal industry through uh, enhanced stimulus or tax credits or... No, I think it was straight-up stimulus, wasn't it? Just straight-up diversion of that tax? Anyway, I'd, I'd just love to keep an eye on that one, too. If if, if you don't know it, no big deal. But I just I, I remember that one from the last time we spoke. It was
0: 1458, I believe, is what you're talking about. Let me look that up just real quick. And uh, it was withdrawn.
1: It was, okay. It was
0: withdrawn. Yeah, yeah, they gave up on it because we kept saying, you know, well, first of all, the, the, there are laws. It would have been found unconstitutional because they were they were actually targeting. They were going to take half of whatever the power company got in a federal tax credit. And there's standing court cases and laws that say that states cannot directly or indirectly tax the federal government. And and this would essentially have been a tax on the federal government by. Taking half of the tax credit that the federal government was giving for the wind power.
1: This is another good example of uh, le- trying to do an emotional legislation before knowing the process or the facts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you got to know law before you try to change the law. And if you don't know the law, you know, you're going to make some, some silly suggestions.
1: Oh, my. This is like back when, the, when North Dakota passed uh, Measure 5, the cannabis. One and they had they had a couple of periods out of place and a couple exclamation points. So all of a sudden, the technicality came down. And then they and then they tried to pass a law that said no more measures on the North Dakota ballot. It has to go through this special committee that the legislature uh, knows knows and appoints, so that that way they can approve and make sure there's no stupid laws that are filled with. Bad punctuation and grammar and that sort of thing. And here's two examples that they should have done their own, they'd taken their own advice. <laughs> We've had two. Yeah, I, I think
0: that we need <laughs> we, we need a citizens' committee to vet every legislative bill before the legislature even deals with it, because uh, you know they, they put a lot of stupid bills in themselves.
1: Well, t- take a look at the ESG one. Okay, that one. Here's two two citizens that could see the flaws in it immediately from a constitutional point of view. Not not even from anything else, just from the smell test, if you will. And um, right there, it cost the state millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars because now they got to do a study to find out why they didn't understand the system. So there's a great example of how this citizens committee that you just brought up um, would, would have saved the taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions, when you include the, the amount of time and energy put into stupid bills. So I don't think it's crazy yeah. at all. I don't. And in and,
0: and theory, the, the citizen legislature should do this themselves. But, uh, you know, the, the problem is that everybody has their own idea on how they can fix the world, and, and they all want to be king. And, yeah, sure, I mean, if, if you could tax the federal government, you know, that would solve a lot of our problems. It's just not
1: legal. Right, exactly. Um, Well, anything that uh, energy companies out of state should be, you know, anything specifically for out-of-state people that they should be keeping an eye on when it comes to, you know, legislation or pipelines or oil and gas or, you know, extraction taxes, anything standing out or is it just primarily coal and wind?
0: Well, there's plenty in those areas. They're more niche. They're more related to the regulations of those industries and and less – Uh, less about asking the taxpayers to uh, pay for their businesses and pay for their research and development. Uh, You know, it it just comes down to the right now, this session is, there's a big push to socialize the private business costs of the coal industry. And, and that's where they want to go. And, you know, it's going to become, it's a big boondoggle. Um, You know, it's, You might see uh, something like this even get referred. Well, here's forty million dollars ongoing. is is a lot of money, and and um, you know after three bienniums, it would be as much as the uh, as the uh, Teddy Roosevelt Library, and that they tried to refer. So maybe some uh, some ambitious people will uh, do that with this as well.
1: Okay, speculation question here, and we'll conclude Mm -hmm. this portion uh, of the interview if you will um do you see a day okay we got a state bank and we got a state flour mill right there's a there's a state mill
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Uh, a state state power plant do you see that happening
0: i i think that's going to be the ultimate result of, of this push and and it's going to be designed in a way that is um is going to cost us a lot more than what it would cost to build a new one.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Yep, yeah. that's that. That's what I see when when the way that you were just describing some of the bills they were putting into place and just some of the things that are going on, especially through this carbon sequestration, carbon the carbon CSUS, uh, that technology. Yeah. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of money being spent on that. That's going to go to the usual suspects and um, you know some studies and, and that sort of thing. Uh, you know delegation type thing. It's it's going to be yeah yeah lots of so it's interesting that there's so much legislation focused on that. But
0: well and, and, and in that uh, realm the the, uh, the ultimate goal, they've already been talking about it in some meetings that I've overheard uh, the CO2 pipeline the number 200 million dollars to build a co2 pipeline out to the oil fields, and it's going to re- that would replicate what they did with western area water supply but instead this time it's going to be with co2 uh, you know fortunately there's no private business in that market right now so that it wouldn't be the government competing with private business like the western area water supply but um you know, we're probably going to end up owning a CO2 pipeline and distribution network out west. And, and that'll be a subsidy both for the coal industry and for oil, if it works.
1: Hmm. Well, how can people support your good cause and good work out there, sir?
0: They can go online to watchingnd.com, sign up for our newsletter. And then also, uh, you know, we have a button there to donate some money if you want to help uh Let's keep an eye on the government.